0: Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path Ventures Research Check for the Best Series Three. Sorry, I had to look up at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it feels like it's been
1: a while since it's we did been, one of
0: these. It feels like it's been a very long it's time. Been, so, it's been,
1: it's been a time.
0: Uh, yeah, I apologize to everyone out there who's been waiting impatiently for that. I am Rick Sandage. I don't even have to look at my notes for that. I am joined by Jordan Jenkins. I don't have to look at my notes for that either. Hey, look at that! There you go. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Best Series Three today which is uh this beautiful beautiful book right here. i was
1: going to say you have actually got the hard cover.
0: Uh, yeah, no. I don't have to stick my f- arms up in the air and try to figure out wherever the thing is around me. Oh yeah, I, I never on know the,
1: on the stream. So you don't have to worry about Oh, that well only. then now people it's a good can thing actually you held it up. <laughs> yeah, you can actually see the
0: book so that you don't buy the wrong Bestiary 3 since that is the name of the previous Bestiary 3 as well.
1: They did change the cover art up, so there's They that.
0: did. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be doing a, uh, not really review a product discussion pertaining towards the best theory three, because important note is we are partners with Paizo and therefore we are not considered impartial and I would not, uh, come to us as an impartial news source. However, we ourselves generally speaking are impartial, but, uh,
1: we like Paizo though. We're biased. We are partners. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, they did not provide me with this copy or anything. I bought this with my own hard cash. So. Yeah, I guess we'll dive in and we can talk a little bit about this cover here. I like the cover. I feel like a broken record because every single time that I talk about a Pathfinder book for 2E, I've said that I like the cover. And that's, generally speaking, still just true.
1: I mean, every one of the bestiaries (laughs) has has honestly been uh, us going, this is awesome. I love this art. They've got so many cool things. I love how they make the monsters feel unique. So, like, sum up. This is probably what we're going to (laughs) say.
0: Good job, Jordan. Let's go home.
1: I know exactly right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, we we do have some things to talk about here. So uh, first off, we've got the uh, the cover for the book since uh, Jordan didn't have one put up there. Let me me find a way that that doesn't get a ton of glare on it. There you go. That's not too bad. Uh, So yeah, it's got a cool clockwork dragon in the background breathing some fire. A whole bunch of skeletons in the foreground. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of skeletons in the foreground, which I think, I'm not entirely positive, but it looks like that shield is the same design as uh, Velroses, Oh, where maybe. Where it has that same, like, the same red and the white.
1: Yeah, uh, I didn't really notice that when I was looking at it. And so. the banners
0: over there, too, so I'm wondering if that's, like, these are Velros's old buddies. Maybe. And then, uh, yeah, there's some tooth fairies ripping uh, teeth out of skeletons.
1: Which, you know, see our, our podcast uh, <laughs> uh, recording of uh, Tyrant's Grasp that's on our Patreon. <laughs> if you want to know about the tooths
0: yep. or teeth. So, yep, teeth. So, it's a very nice cover. I like the design. It's uh, It's almost a little muted in comparison to some of the other ones. Like, the color yeah, scheme is, is very, like, light greens and yellows and... I like it. It doesn't it doesn't jump as much as the other ones, although the actual like Pathfinder logo and everything pops out a little bit more because the the background has this kind of uniformed color to it.
1: Well, and I like that there's like some clear interaction between the different elements. So you've got like the tooth fairy taking one of the skeletons tooth. Like, I like that interaction because they have kind of done this thing where it's kind of this scene, but none of them are really interacting with each other. Yeah. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, they're having like the Avengers slow pan circle thing where they're all just standing there doing cool (laughs) poses independently. Pretty much. Yeah. So not the case here. Uh, Yeah, but I guess let's go ahead and crack this open. Mm -hmm. I'll literally crack mine open there.
1: Yep. I'm on the PDF.
0: Yeah. So there's an introduction. I'm not really going to get into the introduction. It's kind of standard fare of, you know, this is how you can read these books. Uh, There you go. I think it's all like three pages long. And then it gets into monsters A to Z.
1: Pretty much, and it's a like, huge list of monsters. Yeah. It's like what yeah. four pages <laughs> on the index?
0: Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. We are not going to go through all of them. Uh, we do not have that amount of time, so we are going to hit. We're going to hit a couple of highlights, a few things that uh, I took some notes on. Things that I particularly liked when I was going through here, and we had some great questions from our Discord. Uh, we do have a Discord. It's pretty great. You can. Uh, gain access to it if you're not already a member of our discord by going to the uh, find-path.com website and clicking on a little link and it'll take you to the discord and you can go over there and chat with people. They are all fine people on there. I highly appreciate them. They did provide us some great questions, which are going to cover a lot of stuff later on. So I'm just going to hit some highlights that weren't quite covered in there. So first off, and this is a a little bit of a, a nod also, to uh, to friend of the pod, as well as, uh, as longtime listener, uh, TJ, who I may or may not be with us in the uh, the stream today. I don't know because I don't have access to who's making comments or anything like that. Oh, that does remind me, if you have any questions of your own, please post them in the comments, and then we'll get to the end of this. We'll he answer is, those questions is as well.
1: not in the, uh, uh, in the chat, TJ. so we'll be singing his praises without him. That's round. fine.
0: Yeah. Uh, So yeah, just a a fun mention here. There is a, the camel is stated out in this book. So if you want a camel, you can now get access to the camel, which was actually written and designed by friend of the pod, TJ, uh, Uh, who wrote this as he stated in honor of honor and victory from uh, the Mummy's mask Mask
1: show. Yeah. Yeah. He he also also oh, sorry. You're best. Same thing. I was just going to say. Oh yeah. He also did the coral capuchin, which is super cute yeah and i want one for a pet
0: if uh, a anyone yeah <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else in our chat are contributors as well please uh, let us know so other than uh, continuing on from there um, there are clockwork constructs there are lots of clockwork constructs in here I like Clockwork Constructs. If you can't uh, tell my from type. Mommy's yeah. yeah, I was like, they're my favorite <laughs> creature type.
1: So uh, getting to see them, um, I like what they did with the Clockwork Spy. It looks really cool now. Mm. Um, clockwork Dragon, also cool. Um, I like that they, they changed. They do change how constructs kind of work a little bit. Um, yeah. because like the self-destruct action that they can, they take now when they hit zero hit points, like it like literally sets a timer for like six seconds later, it blows up. So you have like six seconds to disable them or else all yeah. the stuff with them just explodes out. It's really cool. Yeah.
0: They do a lot of fun things like that. Cause they, in the, where they talk about winding the clockworks, they talk about actually using thievery to disable device on clockworks.
1: Yeah. So if you find wind one, them down can, faster, yeah, you can disable the construct.
0: And I love it because it almost again it makes them almost uh, it makes them stand out a lot from just having a stone golem. It differentiates this type of construct from the standard type of construct, which I guess would be stone golem, is what I've decided. Uh, yeah, i think mean,
1: thinking like the standards like stone or iron golems. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, on golems, there are a lot of different types of golems uh, that they put in <laughs> this. A lot of the more advanced golems, so mithril golems, um, mm-hmm. fossil golems, things like that. Um, I like what they've done with golems, just in general. Where now they're they are not, they don't just have magic immunity. Like that's not a thing anymore. What yeah. they have is they have a so things that they are healed by, things that they take extra damage from, and things that will slow them down. So that is unique to each different type of creature, which mm-hmm. is um, I think really flavorful and it means that we don't all just go well the wizard's going to be useless in this fight you know so I like that they (laughs) they made it so that it's like okay you know as long as the wizard doesn't use transmutation he's going to still be able to hurt this thing you know
0: yeah yeah they do a lot to kind of differentiate the variety of different creatures that are of the same type but still Mm -hmm. provide them with enough flavor so it's not just okay rinse and repeat as far as this creature is concerned um yeah, I suppose moving on from there, we've got the uh, Clockwork Golems. Uh, there are two notable old friends of the podcast that have returned in these in this book.
1: <laughs> you say that like uh, I'm not going to be just disgusted that they exist. <laughs> the, the first
0: one being the Baycock, which makes its return.
1: Uh, dude, Baycocks are vicious. Some of the worst God, fights I've run for people yeah. have been swarms of Baycocks. And it's just like, why would you put 10 of them in this room? Yeah. They
0: just crowd them in here and just let them loose. Yeah, they're vicious. Um, yeah, so I mean, they've so they've got their uh, devouring life. Um, where if they're adjacent to a paralyzed creature, they can basically drain the life out of them. They can still do their uh, arrow of despair, which can do do do. And it's interesting because I don't remember this from the original Baycock. It defines this as it uh, creates an invisible arrow of bone. Uh, yeah, no, they're they're visible in in first edition. yeah And then if it hits uh, when it strikes someone, it strikes you with loneliness and despair. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. just it's pretty great how uh, they translated it over. It keeps a whole lot of the same fun. And uh, in addition to that, the Gwekubu is in here as well. Oh, so dude, if you don't have things. enough. I don't yeah, undead. Those.
1: those things are bad. <laughs> things are like my Gway, least favorite undead.
0: <laughs> the Guay Cuba are just as fun in second edition, it seems, as they were in first. So great. I think that those are are just good editions. Great. Now
1: we're gonna find one of them in Hell's Rebels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna jump into the case unless you had something to add into the uh, the early letters there.
1: Um. Not in the early letters, I don't think. I think we hit most of the major ones. Um, it wouldn't be a bestiary if there wasn't different types of dragons. Yeah. Um, one of the things they've done that I really like um, that they've started doing is when they introduce new monsters of the same type that have been in a previous bestiary, they mm. actually redefine what those things are. So if you go to yeah. like the divs, they read they have a little paragraph that says, by the way, these are what divs are, and then here are the new divs. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that they take that time because if you, for instance, flip to it, and it's been a while since you've looked in a bestiary being like, uh, when did these first come out? So I could look up what these actually are. And having that there <laughs> makes it really convenient for those of us who don't GM all the time like Rick.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Well, and even then I still need a refresher every once in a while. I sound as intelligent as I do because I read before I start. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's uh, keep it you know, fresh in the memory. Some, some of us don't prep. <laughs> we oh, just go. Well, <laughs> I don't have time I to I always prep. suggest prep. I'm a busy professional. <laughs>
0: So, uh, yeah, when we jump into the case, I was uh, I was a little surprised to see him included in here. But uh, this book does include the Krampus,
1: which is like, (laughs) I still think it's weird that the Krampus is statted out because I don't associate that as like a fantasy thing. That's just like a weird German, you know, like variant on Christmas kind of thing is what I always view it as. So it's fun to see. It's a weird
0: Christmas thing.
1: It is a weird Christmas (laughs) thing because it's also seasonal, right? Like it's a seasonal monster.
0: Yeah, it's so he's gonna you, throw if, a
1: Krampus at you in July.
0: Well, actually, funny enough, I made a note in here in my notes that I said, uh, state, have yeah, blah, blah blah blah. Krampus is set out in here if you want to run uh, a fun, uh, albeit high level, Christmas themed adventure. It's a ways off, but of course, you could also do Christmas in July.
1: Uh, <laughs> because some people that do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, I was gonna say the Krampus is always a ridiculous. What's the CR in it in this one?
0: 21, I think. Yeah, 21
1: Weirdly, not even the highest uh, uh, creature in this. Uh, oh, no,
0: world. no, there there are some powerful creatures in here. But yeah, it's a uh, it is a fun, strange little monster. So I just wanted to point that out in there because I know that there are a lot of Krampus fans. He's had a weird resurgence, uh, despite the fact that I think every movie that's ever been made of him has been terrible.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's weird. Like there's like uh, all kinds of stuff that I've seen in like popular media with the Krampus that makes no sense to me. At all.
0: <laughs> so uh, jumping around up, oh, I skipped this one. Those in the seas. Uh, jumping back real quick. They do include uh Calvary brigades in here, which actually includes the Hell Knight Cavalry Brigade, which is neat. That explores the troop mechanics, which is yeah, something which... that they kind of introduced in in this book or brought back in. Uh, I was going to say because
1: were... they they had it in in first edition, but it was late, I think very it was... late, and was never really like greatly utilized. Like yeah. I I know of like one adventure path that used it, but it was like in one yeah. book.
0: Yeah, and so uh, bringing that back in is. Interesting. I like the way that they do troops. We'll probably talk about those a little bit later on. I think some people asked some questions about it, but I did just want to point out the Hell Knight Calvary, Calvary there because the artwork for the Hell Knights is always great. And including them as an example, the Calvary unit, I think is a pretty solid option.
1: Yeah, because uh, let's be real, you're not going to be uh, run down by like you know the good people. <laughs> you have to pick the well. bad people. And no, it's Depends like so iconic to the setting, also to have like the yeah. Hell Knights being the uh, the
0: opponent, fully arrayed and ready for battle.
1: Yep, In the nice like line that makes good for television, you know, kind of thing where you see like the endless line of them in a line ready yep. to charge.
0: Which, mind you, like that would be a couple different um, units, I think, of the oh, Hell yeah. Knights It'd to be get a full several line. of yeah, them, you know. <laughs> so, on the subject of high level. Creatures. There's one monster in here that uh, one I was completely surprised to see in here and pleasantly surprised when I ran into it, when I was flipping through this book and their take on it is very interesting. And that is the Ouroboros. Mm, Yeah, Uh, it caught me completely off guard in large part because, you know, that's it's the classic symbol, the snake eating its own tail Yeah, uh, that you can see throughout. Well. Honestly, throughout history, but you see it a lot in anything that you research pertaining towards the occult. Um, I think uh, throwback in Mummy's Mask that you got guys fought a, uh, a certain barefoot man who had an Ouroboros uh, tattoo on his forehead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in this case, however, apparently it is a snake made up of a whole bunch of tiny snakes.
1: That You know that's weird. There's a couple things in there that are things that are made from a bunch of other things like there's a there's a I forget what they're called, but it's like an eel creature that's made of like dozens of other eels that have, yeah. it's like some aberration, you know, like that's apparently like a weird thing they've got going in this book.
0: The worm that walks and all the rest of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's got some really neat abilities that uh, that jumped out at me. First off, it has a 100 foot movement speed and 100 foot fly speed. Which I imagine means it rolls like a tire.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was exactly what I was thinking. It was
0: <laughs> it's just it just rolls over you, uh, and also it just—it's one of its primary forms of damage is just body. It just rolls over you. Yeah. I suppose crushes you for some damage, <laughs> uh, as well as the incalculable fangs. Yes, where apparently just a whole bunch of snakes just bite onto you. Um, but yeah, yeah I just, appreciate
1: also it. It says that it understands Acklo, but can't speak because yeah. it's got like its tail in its mouth.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's very funny. Oh, actually,
0: it does specify in here that while eating its tail, it can't make moss strikes or tail strikes, and its speed is fifty. Uh, speed is fifty feet.
1: Ah, yes, there you <laughs> so go. it
0: does make a very slow roll at you. Just I yeah. mean, just slow being down fifty
1: feet in a game where everybody averages twenty five is still twice the speed of everybody
0: else. But yeah, I think it has one of my favorite. Um, abilities in here, which is I had it and then I lost it. Uh, Yeah. Whenever it takes slashing or piercing damage or when devour tell ends, blood gushes from the wound in a 15 foot cone and each creature takes uh, acid damage. Creature that takes any damage is exposed to orbos uh, regenerative blood. So they actually start regenerating, but where the blood falls upon the ground, it creates magical snakes. That bite anyone that
1: passes. (laughs) It creates
0: hazardous strain that deals seventeen points of damage and five poison damage to any non Ouroboros creature that moves to the square. Um, Yeah,
1: (laughs) I mean it's one of those things where it's like it's interesting because it does a good thing and a bad thing, and like the coral capuchin also does that where its bite has a curse. And it lets you double the amount of time you can spend underwater, but also gives you like uh, you dehydrate really fast. So you have to like, you know, get water every thing. minute. So it's kind of it's fun to find these things that like it's a double edged sword. Like it seems like it's kind of good, but it's also really bad. (laughs) Well,
0: that's the regenerative blood that it gives you. Also gives you regeneration, but it also makes you slow and clumsy. And then stage two makes you even slower and more clumsy. And then stage three, you just collapse into a mass of snakes. Because I, you're permanently transformed into snakes. It gives uh, reasons. It's a, fun challenge, it's a fun <laughs> challenge rating 21 monsters. So if you're listening to this and going, how the heck is that balanced? Uh, it's balanced because you could have 10th level spells. Yeah, so, pretty much. <laughs> take that for what you will. Um, let's see, what other monsters do we want to talk about? There's the Sakil that are back in here.
1: I was going to say, there's a lot of things that like you'll see in our... Um, our Adventures that we play that kind of make yeah. a resurgence, so like Osteovites are in again. Um, yeah, they have uh, uh, oh, you were talking about it. They have the uh, the Grimples have made an r- appearance yeah. from uh, those who have uh, listened to our Hell's Rebels.
0: Yep, Grimples are back. Uh, our Hell's Rebels Grimples are slightly different, they're Kentargan Grimpo- Grimples, they're a subspecies,
1: which is why the stats are different and the abilities are different. <laughs> that's totally That's totally what we're going with.
0: Yep. But uh, again they brought the sekil in here including the uh the really disgusting pig sekil thing that you guys uh, had fought previously in Tyrant's grasp. Yep. Um yeah. Although now it apparently has a pus spray.
1: Hey, <laughs> just, what is it with bodily fluids being sprayed
0: around, man? Yep. Everybody and the consumption which is spray. always fun. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean there they, they there is a ton of stuff in this book like I didn't even realize Night Gaunts weren't in any of the previous Best so There There's like a night-
0: lot of Lovecraftian things in here. Yeah. yeah. The Night Gonts are in here, the Migos are in here. The um yeah. uh they uh, Chantil, I believe that's the proper term. Big pterodactyl monsters from yeah. uh Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. So Yeah.
1: There's uh I was gonna say it's kind of it's kind of a, a mandatory thing to put at least one like Lovecraftian character in the well, yeah. best So there's always There's something. a,
0: there's a lot of different things, and the the last thing I was going to draw attention to, as far as my pass through went, is uh, the tooth fairies. Yep, they're again they're tooth. on the cover of this, so obviously they're going to be in here. They kept all the flavor for the first edition, but um, so they still explode when they die into uh, horrible tartar dust um, or plaque dust that sprays around everywhere. There's uh, there's some interesting things. Uh, first off, there's a swarm option, so they can come in swarms now.
1: Woo!
0: <laughs> I think they could have Great. technically before, but yeah. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, um, I find it interesting that they don't specifically state that they remove teeth anymore. Uh, with their pliers, they have a tooth tug that causes damage, but it doesn't explicitly state that they remove the tooth when they cause the damage. Just that they grab onto your mouth and start trying to rip your teeth out.
1: Yeah. So there's like some kind of flavor lost, I guess, with that. But it's also really hard to fix that.
0: Well, like, I, I think it falls in. I think it's almost less flavor lost, and I think it falls almost more into a GM discretion where you don't have fair. to say. Yeah. You know, if you have someone, I, I think I put a uh, a warning on the episode that included the tooth fairies, just because some people do have Body a thing is about tooth thing. thing, yeah. yeah. Well, like me personally, you know not to delve too far into this, like me personally, body horror doesn't usually bother me um, except and body horror loves to do this uh removing people's fingernails Ooh, something about yeah. when you see the fingernails come off yeah yeah, there was a certain scene I think it was uh was it district nine where that happens oh and yeah, that yeah made yeah. Me pretty uncomfortable so uh, i'm I'm pretty good at things, but that's the one that bothers me.
1: Yeah, no, for me, it's oh. definitely the teeth thing because uh, I've had nightmares where like my teeth start falling out and like, you mm. know, you wake up in a cold sweat and all that stuff. So like that, that one always gets me. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I, I felt that before and it's not fun.
0: Yeah. So, well, I mean, I think that's just a psychological trauma from all of us as children. when Like, you know, you had a loose tooth and your parents would be like, here, have an apple. And then you bite into it. And you're like, oh, God, my tooth. I did um, look it up. Apparently just...
1: it's caused by extreme stress. So there you go. Stress dreams will uh, you sometimes call you, cause you to be having your teeth fall out for some reason.
0: Well, all of us diving into uh, our, our love-hate of body horror, which, which by the way, this book also, a lot of body horror. There's a, There's lot, a lot of lot weird of twisted horror. creatures in this. So uh, it, it kind of taps into that same angle. It's, it's all on on theme. Uh, any yeah. monsters you want to give a shout out to that we missed going through oh,
1: there? Oh man, um, there's a bunch of fun ones. Um, I I mean, I, the interesting thing about it is they've put the monsters in that used to be playable. So like, there's uh, there's like Gathlanes, mm-hmm. there's Gahorns, there's um, I'm trying to think what else they have in here that's uh, they used to be playable. Um, unfortunately, give no rules on how to play them, so they don't think you can play them off of this. Um, this isn't Starfinder Not yet. The other thing I think is really interesting that they do is uh, there's some new stuff that they've put in that I maybe I haven't seen it. Maybe it was in later bestiaries, but uh, like living symbols, which is a new uh, creature type for like animated. Those were in 1E.
0: Oh,
1: were they in 1E? Okay.
0: You fought one because uh, I wouldn't even consider this a spoiler because I added it in. I threw one in when I was running through Rise of the Rune Lords and you were going through uh, a certain part of book five. And I decided to add one in as this uh, Wait, uh, no, no, no. I, Okay, thing. I remember
1: that. I remember that. I thought that was some yeah. kind of just like magic effect. Okay.
0: Yeah. Interesting. No, I, just, I, I, I enjoyed the idea of the living symbol too much not to work it in, in an adventure path that's all about runes.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only time I've ever seen that. And so it's kind of cool to see a bunch of different... Uh, Types of symbols like, you know, living graffiti and things like that, which just seems like those are like, again, those kind of memorable things uh, that come out.
0: Yeah, the living like graffiti, I think it just comes it's to life neat. and starts
1: doing magic at you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think th- I do think the uh, living graffiti is new.
1: Yeah, I, there's a Not bunch of stuff but. in here that I'm pretty positive is new. Um, so it's not just like, this is just stuff from one E that you're, you're getting, there's definitely some new stuff in here, or at least stuff that for me, was new, um, some fun new uh, ideas. Yeah. So there's definitely some very cool stuff. Um, especially a lot of stuff that comes from like Asian influence. Um, that I think is really interesting. Like there's a, there's a ton of stuff that like, if you're, I guess, up on your, um, Shintoism. It, maybe you understand it a little bit better, but uh, it felt like it was mm-hmm. just straight out of the like the uh, like Japanese horror movies and stuff. Um, like, <laughs> I actually just pulled it up. It's a hopping vampires, like the Kurabozu. Bozu, that's like it's a guy that's like uh, like doing the kind of backbend arch, but his head's on the wrong way, which feels yeah. like it's very like you know the like uh, creepy girl that just like does a little skittering like go away thing that they do in those, in those movies. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I had actually noticed the same thing, that there are a lot of creatures taken from Asian mythology and culture. Uh, Which I love, here, by the way. I love or at the love very that. least inspired by some. Yeah, and it's it's great. I'm I'm kind of curious because I feel like some of these monsters are probably... Um, a common thing that happened in first edition is many of the bestiaries would include a collection of all of the back matter monsters from the adventure paths mm, leading yeah. their way up to it. And I almost feel like they included some of these more what we would consider in the Galarin setting would be Jaw themed creatures in anticipation of Fist of the Ruby Phoenix.
1: I mean that would fit um in terms of that because yeah. like I feel like Bestiary 2 had a fair number of like more of that like African themed uh kind of stuff kind of in preparation for Strength of Thousands. So
0: yeah. And uh and I I can't remember quite, but I think maybe it was in the first edition B best three that it had a large number of eastern influenced creatures because it was in preparation for uh, jade region so mind you i'm conjecturing there i, I don't have any direct line to uh, well i technically do have a couple direct lines to paizo but i have not tapped into any of the direct lines that we have to paizo so. <laughs> I, I, was gonna, I was gonna say
1: anybody in the chat who works for paizo feel free to confirm our suspicions
0: <laughs> yeah there you go um yeah. Any other creatures you want to shout out to? Um,
1: oh man. Um not really. Um the, like I said, there's a lot of like <laughs> I, I would say almost fan favorites that have come back. Um like Moftet making an appearance in this, Gear to Blelu. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, are back. Uh there's the yeah, there's the div. I think it's the div that we actually fought at the beginning of uh, Mummy's Mask and like the first book, the one yeah. that's just like a head or whatever, flying head div. <laughs> yeah, the flying head div. Yeah, there
0: there were a there were a surprising number of these. I was like, I've run this, I've run yeah. that, I've run this.
1: <laughs> there's no, even for uh, me, like I've, I've only run like one adventure path, and even there's stuff in here that I was like, I remember running that. Oh yeah, I remember that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they again. uh, Especially with Tyrants Grass, Tyrants Grass tends to tap into a lot of the more obscure creatures from Yeah. It was the, the last hurrah the know? first edition line. Yeah, it was the last hurrah. They uh, they did a lot out of B five and B six, uh, especially in book one. And I think that was a lot of just the these are the monsters that have never gotten a chance to really be showcased. Mm-hmm. And as such, I feel like the most popular of those have now made their way into this. Uh, for reasons we'll get into here in just a minute. And as such, I went through here and went, wow, this is like playing uh, the the FTP greatest hits as you're going yeah, through this list right. of like, you want to run all these monsters.
1: Yeah, it it so. is funny because somebody in the chat uh, graph actually said the same thing. Like the book feels like you know it's 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 like old friends coming home after you haven't seen them for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I mean, Look we have all that feeling things. for sure. Some of it in dread. Like when I saw the Guaykubu was in there, I was like, I'm not happy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like now I can add this to. Hell's Rebels and not have to make a stat block, block myself. For it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do we want to dive into some questions here from L Discord?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do that. There's also tons all of right. questions in the chat. So we, this, we'll Ooh. spend the rest of our time probably just answering questions.
0: Well, again, that's that's kind of the thing is we could go monster by monster and all the rest of that. But uh, it, it, I don't really feel. Yeah, yeah
1: I was going to say it's it's honestly go buy this book. Like we all know this is an essential buy. <laughs> like Go buy this book. It's fantastic. Yeah.
0: Um, I will mention lastly that there is the appendix section. The appendix section does cover the troop rules. I do find the troop rules very interesting. We actually have a question about it from the Discord, so I'll cover it a little bit more there. Um, I really like the troop rules.
1: Yeah, that Uh, and I I like like the template. Uh, The way they've done templates now is very interesting.
0: Yeah. So uh, first Discord question comes from Lewis. What's the best ancestry like creature introduced in this book?
1: Ooh, that is a hard pick. Um, one, I'm partial to Gathlane myself. So like, <laughs> cause I, I played yeah. one in strange Aeon. So I'm, I'm a little partial to Gathlane just because I played that before. Although they are completely different now, <laughs> like, uh, not nearly as, uh, differentiated because like Kathleen, there was multiple different types of Gathlane that you could be. um, so that's probably my pick. Like I said, I'm kind of biased. Um, I don't know, Rick, what's yours?
0: I'm going to go for an odd one. And uh, I'm going to take ancestry. The question there of ancestry like creature and twist it a little bit into heritage like creature. Uh, and that's the mortic. And oh, yeah, yeah. so the Mortic are basically humanoids that have been exposed to massive amounts of negative energy. Uh, they're very common in large part because of the events of uh well, that have even played out a little bit in our Patreon exclusive Tyrant's Grasp actual play. So tell me if Octavious dies, I can play a Mortic. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I'm not jumping into second edition, that's not Dang happening. I promise it. you. Uh Yeah. So basically they've been exposed and so they're kind of, they're interesting in that they are still alive. They've been exposed to so much negative energy that they're still alive, but it has warped the fabric of their being. So they show like elves, humans, uh, orcs, I think, and gnomes in here. And it affects each of them in a separate way where it's like, okay, well, you know, the only thing that you're alive, but the only thing that can physically sustain you, sustain you any longer is living flesh. Uh, You don't gain nourishment from anything else, and so you know it's like okay, well, great. I've got to eat live rats or something like that if you're going for the you know less
1: the less awful aspect. Yeah, you're not eating people at that point, but
0: you know, (laughs) still, you definitely wouldn't make any friends with Peta. But I find them very interesting because they it is it gets into that darker area of you know here's a you can play that kind of damn fear character. Except for
1: way darker. Now you're
0: really tortured by it.
1: (laughs) I was like, it's really dark. Like, it, uh, I I like that there's a section that mentions, uh, that so humans that become mortics are known as gurgists. Uh, they retain their personality and intelligence, but their bodies rot with every beat of their heart. Uh, they ceaselessly crave raw meat, consuming large quantities can slow or even reverse their body's putrefaction for a short time. And, uh, yep. It's like literally you have to eat or else you will just fall to pieces.
0: Yeah. And so I think you could probably do something interesting with a heritage based off of that where it's just like, like I feel like the problem is I mean, you'd
1: have to find a way to make it like m- slightly more stable.
0: Yeah, that's what you would honestly have to do. You'd have to take basic elements of it, uh kind of flavor text around that, but you could still do something cool like the neat like the life leech ability of the the orc where they can bite onto people and drain their life essence and stuff like that. Like that would be a cool tree to be able to pursue. A tree to be able to pursue your way down if you're going through ancestry feats. mm Mhm. There's a lot so, of
1: things in this in this book that I I'd like to see Ancestry Feast to get a, a flavor of because there's some yeah. really cool stuff uh, that some of the monsters get that I'd like to get just a teeny tiny taste of. <laughs> Not the eating human flesh part, like t- teeny tiny taste, but like uh uh, some of the there's some interesting ones um, like they they mentioned like the Life Leecher mortic orc which was really cool um, yeah. There's a couple of like really interesting uh, like planar creatures. So like if you're going for like yeah. one of those like planes touched type uh, type builds um, to do some of the interesting stuff that you have there. Like one of them that I wanted to call out that was actually really cool is called a oh my gosh what is it? Um, it's a, oh here it is a consonite choir. Uh, which is floods hmm. of crystalline blades that search through the caverns and tunnels of the plains of earth like can i get a conjuration spell to just make that because that sounds super cool because <laughs> they're literally just like like flute shaped uh shards of crystal that just move like they're uh flock of birds And i was like that's pretty cool <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's some interesting stuff there that like i i wish they did that because like uh by the way consonant choirs with creature 13 so uh yeah. they're nothing to mess with they're also gargantuan yeah so nothing to mess with but uh, i'd like to like be able to summon a small little swarm of them or something like that
0: <laughs> all right let's see uh lord deathquake had a question for us what is your favorite edition in the book and why is it the tea fairies
1: <laughs> i love Fay i just like the Fay, they're always weird
0: yeah uh, mine is honestly because um I also enjoy Fae, but I actually like my I like Fae with that sinister element to them.
1: Yeah, you don't like the, just the like the the nice Fae, like you like the ones that are like the like yeah. Like I'll, I'll take a
0: helpful Dryad every once in a while. That's fine, but you know this like here's your Fae with the side of body horror. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a it's a little bit more my my speed where it's that uh it's a bit more the Gilmore Del Toro. Um. <laughs> yeah. You know, labyrinth kind of a, you know, Pan's labyrinth kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, they're fae, but there's something wrong with this.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's also like fae are just one of those things that like because they're chaotic, it makes it much more interesting to interact with them. Like, mm. you know, because you, you can find a satyr that's not a total like jerk, but like 90% of the time they're probably going to be jerks, but there's always that 10% chance that they might be on the somewhat level.
0: So uh, there's a follow-up question to that one, which is uh, from uh, Luis Loza, Paizo's own, who asks, what is your favorite monster and why is it the animated silverware swarm?
1: <laughs> <laughs> First off, if you animate anything and turn it into a swarm, it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Like there's nothing funnier than seeing like a bunch of candlesticks beating you over the head. Like <laughs> that's just, that's just part of it. Like animate any anything is fun. Yeah.
0: Like there's That's an animated fair.
1: trebuchet in this book, like hilarious, like just by the fact that I like I don't know how it works, but it's just super weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, I have a very interesting story. I'll keep this tangent rather short. But Beauty and the Beast. I went and saw that movie with my sister. Uh, I think I was six years old when that movie came out. I saw it in theaters. And you know, as a six-year-old, a six-year-old little boy, and all the rest of that stuff, I'm like, ah, you know, stupid love story, blah, blah, blah. All that being said, you know, now that I'm a grown adult and very uh, confident in my, you know, masculinity, I freaking <laughs> love that movie. That that movie is great. It has some of the best uh, best things, and that you know, the the little snowball fight always gets me right here. Uh, all of that notwithstanding the scene where they're storming the castle and they open the door to the kitchen and all the and drawers all like, open ah! up and the knives fly out and then the <laughs> yeah. stove animates and it's breathing fire every that freaks me out <laughs> <laughs> and as such i can tell how terrifying an animated silverware swarm would be <laughs> just uh, watch yeah. that movie
1: <laughs> i was going to say like literally doesn't even really matter what silverware is being animated it's going to be like awful yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So
0: it's, it's just kind of fun. I I like it. I enjoy, I enjoy the ability to be able to insert that into almost anywhere. Like you could easily take something, you're running a horror themed game and you're just like, okay, you go into this place and then all the silverware has been animated because of ghost spirits and then it flies around and attacks you. Yeah. But then you can have the exact same thing where you're like, oh, well, you're doing an intrigue-based game or whatever it is, but it's like, oh, well, if you set off uh, this, this trap or this alarm where you enter into, like, try to sneak in through the kitchen entrance, servant's entrance or something into this manor house that the Lord Mayor lives in, then all the silverware animates and attacks to defend the house. <laughs> it's like you could easily flip it into anything or, you know, oh, okay, it's just a weird thing when you go to, like, a wizard's tower and you happen to go into his kitchen. And then the kitchen utensils attack them because of all the crazy magic inside there. You know, if you want to go all like Sorcerer's Apprentice kind of thing.
1: Yes, yes, exactly <laughs> like Sorcerer's Apprentice or uh, and I'm really going to date myself because I've watched some very old uh, Disney movies, uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks at the very end of that movie. They animate a bunch of mm. suits of armor and they're like a literal army of like old school armor, which was super cool to me <laughs> as a kid, made one of my favorite movies as a kid. Yeah. So yes, it's that same like so, idea of uh, just like animating random objects is fun.
0: So Lord Deathquake follows up Louis Lowe's follow-up as an initial question. And asks who would win in a fight between the Tooth Fairy Swarm and the Silverware Swarm?
1: I mean, okay, so I
0: have my uh, answer,
1: but <laughs> I, I think I think honestly I'm curious it, yours. it could be a toss-up. Depends on the fae is my my opinion, but uh, tooth fairies, I assume are the same as uh, in first edition are vulnerable to cold iron and your silverware is going to be, you know, iron or maybe actually literal silver and uh, it's not going to be as effective. Sterling probably. Yeah. Plus there's no teeth to clack. So, you know, I don't know. I kind of rule in favor of uh, it being a toss up, but I don't know.
0: I also ruled it as a toss-up for much the same reason, unless you count the tines, the tines on a fork as being teeth.
1: Oh, at which point I
0: would give it to the tooth fairies. That, that all depends. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, they're definitely they're teeth if you have a spork, but I don't know if a spork comes with a silverware set.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I could argue it. that like if it's <laughs> if it's a bunch of forks that like they get a they get an advantage because of the tines. I'd believe yeah, that
0: just because snap them all off.
1: But if it's all spoons, it's just Be like no, nope, the spoon is going to roll over them.
0: All right. So initial batch of silly questions aside, uh, Luis Loza does have a serious question for us. Uh, And this is something that I mentioned earlier and said that we kind of address a little bit later on, which is now. That being that uh, Best Theory 3 has been touted as the final standard Best Theory for 2E. Uh, actually I actually had to go and look into this because I was not aware of that. Apparently, I missed the the notice, but I went back and I guess uh, they'd mentioned that passing at PaizoCon last year and then at GenCon when they were discussing the book. So uh, what monsters from 1E do you feel were important but missed in Best Series 1 through 3? I found three of them. Uh, I was going to say, I'm not going to have, a second to have, think, have I can any because I don't
1: have a good enough memory to know what was in Bestiaries 1 through 6 in the original 1st <laughs> edition plus what's in 2nd uh, edition.
0: So so first off, saying on theme with what we were talking about a little bit earlier, um, I would have liked to have seen the Tooth Fairy Monarchs included with the Tooth Fairies.
1: Yeah. I would no, have liked to see one. a two-page
0: spread and include the Monarchs in there. Uh, I found them very interesting. I found a lot of fun.
1: I bet you, are And
0: uh, they have a very... Yeah, I betrayed you first. Uh They also have a very interesting kind of dynamic with the tooth fairies. And they yeah. add like this extra level to the tooth fairies other than just the, a bunch of tiny little creatures. Um, I've also always had a soft spot for the grillon, which is basically the giant form or formed gorilla.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think no, that I'll was run, like, originally.
0: Yeah. And uh, I would have loved to have seen it included somewhere. They're pretty neat. Um, I know that they're featured in Serpent's Skull. Yeah, uh, lots of Serpent's serpent Skull. Yeah. Serpent's Skull. Serpent's Skull, yes. Uh, get all my skulls and fangs crossed between Adventure Path names. So I would have liked to have seen that. It's also kind of a almost a Pathfinder-specific monster. Um, I'm Is sure someone's going to be able to comment and tell me that it's... I, I'm i not positive. Uh, it's something that I've always associated with Pathfinder, but it maybe.
1: D fans tell uh, us we're wrong. As but, for uh, big
0: name monsters. Yeah. Um, as for big name monsters that I would have liked to have seen in 2e, I think the conqueror worm. I really liked the conqueror worm. It's like the the lore behind it, its design, the backstory, everything else to it, this idea of this basic giant psychic worm manipulating world events. And all the rest of that, like I love the idea of the Conqueror Worm, and um, I think there are theories floated around for a little while, but that somehow like one or two of them was behind all the craziness going on in Galt. That you know, so <laughs> trying to like psychically nuts. gain control of the nation. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, I always hoped that there would be an adventure path where they played a little bit more of a role, and. Maybe we'll still see that in 2E, but I would have liked to have seen them make a return here because they're again something I associate with Pathfinder when I think about them. Um, that and you know, I'm a big uh, um, Edgar Allan Poe fan, and that's uh, probably his most famous poem. So there's a pun in yep, there with those Gar are my shout outs as far as uh, <laughs>
1: um, Edgar Allan Poe, haha, <laughs> 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 um. Did they do kaiju in these first three books?
0: I'm not positive.
1: I don't know. If they didn't, then that would be the thing that I would like to to have seen. um, Because uh, I I will not spoil anything, but Godzilla monsters are super cool. And there was a cool interaction in one of the adventure paths that we played uh, with one. And uh, I I like the idea of just a ludicrously huge monster uh, as something that you
0: face. Hmm. So, uh, Luis goes on to ask, "If there were a monster book in the future, what kind of books should they be?" I put a lot of thought into this. Okay, uh, in large part because uh, Luis does work with Paizo, <laughs> hey. so you know I'm, I'm sure he's looking for some import, import or input out there. Uh, and so uh, if anyone else has any input, feel free to uh, to mention those in the comments. We can kind of shout out to them a little bit later if you have some ideas for what you'd like to see. Uh, my personal thought is I would like to see best theories as part of Lost Omens line. I would like to see regional best theories for things like an Osirian best theory, a Wongi best theory, Basically compiling all of those creatures together into one location. It wouldn't need to be one of the thicker bestiary books. It could be a thinner book, but could include, you know, and you wouldn't even need to make it that specific. You could even make it by region, like a Golden Roads bestiary or a Broken Lands bestiary. Uh, And I think that you could probably dive into that and bring in a lot of stuff because having run through Mummy's Mask, there's a ton of first edition monsters from the back matter of mummy's mask that have not made its way into second edition yet. Um, you know, the Panther on golem, for instance, everyone likes laser eye golems. (laughs) So I,
1: I, I can't find another way of, of wanting to do that either. I was thinking about it as well. And the doing it by regions has so many, like so much value, especially because, you know, the best areas are good as like a baseline that there's just like around here, but it, it, it's good to know like, okay, I'm doing an adventure path that takes place on Absalom In yeah. Absalom. Here's a list of the, the most common stuff that's in Absalom, including some weird stuff, you know, um, to just kind of like make it easy. Cause like, I know one of the big issues I, I've had in adventure paths is having to have all the books. And so it's like, you know, some of the, some of them was like, I, at one point I had like four books open. It was like best areas mm-hmm. one through four. And then the adventure path to try to figure out like how to get everything going. So yeah. being able to have that, you know in in a more condensed fashion i think would be really beneficial so yeah I, I can't think of any other way to do it
0: yeah uh quick aside jordan i'm getting some crackle from uh your microphone do me oh, a crackling. favor and uh um stop your backup recording keep the uh um the online going but stop my the... backup yeah.
1: i lost my backup y'all he made me do okay, it okay and that solved it really okay that's super weird yeah
0: i well, I think we're having three audio devices going simul or three audio programs going simultaneously on your computer. So I think it it's was too just over stressing things. It's too, just much, too much even it's for just my too much. computer. Goodness. It's just too much.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm not crackling. <laughs> I apologize computer. to everybody for crackling because I can't hear that.
0: <laughs> Goodness. All so, right. Yeah. All right. So next Patreon stretch tier is build Jordan an even bigger computer,
1: even um, more computers. Uh, here's what we'll do: we get me a second computer, and I'll be like one of those cool, cool guy streamers that runs the stream on one computer and all the other stuff on another computer. Oh, there you go. There's our a hundred million we've, dollar goal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've we've got a plan. Yep. Uh so. Thank you, both uh, Luis as well as uh, Lord Deathquake, for all those interesting questions in your little uh, game of tennis back and forth. There, from uh, there, we've got a question from Lord Tilted Axis: favorite piece of new art. I always love this question.
1: Oh God, that I I love and hate that question because it is impossible uh, for me. I am I never can find my favorite piece of art. Um,
0: I I asked. have one immediately. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm probably going to blame Rachel for putting me into this mood. For those of you that are unaware, uh, my wife very much loves tattoos, and uh, yeah, so boy. She, and beyond just you know her own tattoos, that she loves watching tattoo shows, and so I end up oh, just like kind of watching all them all vacation, like yeah. inked and all the rest of that. Yeah, and so uh, or Ink Master and all the rest of that, and so uh, it has caused me to develop a deep love of um, Eastern art design. And especially the art design behind uh, Eastern Dragons. And as such, in the dragon entries, uh, they talk about the Sky Dragon. Mm,
1: And again,
0: we don't have that uh, there, but let me see if I can't uh, at least get that somewhat up on screen for you. There we are. I'm going to block myself here real quick, but let's see. You see
1: that guy? Yep. Very nice. Look how
0: beautiful that is. It is pretty it has this amazing play of color. There's like this blending of the color. The shadow work is great. The soft gray of the, the stonework offset with the blue and the white it is just a beautiful piece of art. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought about it for a while and I'd looked at every picture in this book and that's the one that I always just kind of kept going back to.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, It is really hard. Um, I've literally been scrolling through for the while Rick was going through that, trying to find (laughs) any of them that really stood out to me. But they're all so Do we need to come back to you? (laughs) Um, We can't come back to me because I'm the only one that's left. Um, I'm going to put it out into kind of a weird one: the wisps. Um, I love the fact that they are like cute little like round circles with like little traily bits off them, like kind of like a comet. They have little faces. I like yeah. that they have little faces and it's cute.
0: The, the Fire Wisp especially has this little like should be a Studio Ghibli. Exactly little, what like, it
1: reminds me of is the little tree spirits creature, in yeah. uh, Princess Mononoke. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly what it reminded me of. I think, that, I think that's why I was like, that's fun.
0: Yeah, that guy. Yep. Uh, Loki the Poisoner asks us, um, this is more of a personal gripe than a real question. And states that Jess will know why. Jess is unfortunately not here, but I'm sure she knows why. I may know why on her path. Uh, there are so many good animals and beasts. Why do none of them have animal companion stat blocks?
1: Uh, okay, that's a good one. Um, as somebody who also looked through this book looking for new familiars um, or animal companions, um, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, there aren't any. <laughs> there are if you want to do familiars. They have some some of them that can be familiars. Um, I honestly think it was a space problem. That's my opinion. Yeah.
0: It it might've been a space problem. It might also be, um, in, in Starfinder, they made a point of focusing on the alien archive books and making them just as useful for players as they were for game masters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know how that returned for them. Like, I don't know whether or not that ended up being a good thing or a bad thing for them. So I wonder if they just decided not to take that same step here and as such make the best theories a must buy for game masters, but not really necessary for players.
1: I mean, it opens up the possibility of doing like an ultimate animal companion, you know, compendium type book um, for them. There's definitely stuff in here that could be animal companions. Um, like I said, there's like uh, one of the ones that I liked for familiars was, um, or they call them like cobble mites, mm. um, which they, it, they actually have them statted out as like swarms, but they have them uh, like a little note on the side that says you can get these as familiars. Um, they don't do anything. They're just like rocks <laughs> with little, uh, little mouths made of gemstones.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yep. And then, uh, Loki also has a follow-up question. Just want to shout out, Loki. I'm looking forward to your Netflix or your Disney Plus series. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, time for a real question. There are, there are several examples of troops in this bestiary. How do you think these compare to the PF1 troop template, particularly the section where the troop gets smaller as its health grows goes down? I want to jump in here real quick and say that I love this. So troops start out as being a four by four, uh, basically just this square of dudes, 16 squares. And as they reduce, they actually have hit point thresholds at which point they reduce in size. Oh, that's going down from 16 squares to 12 squares. And then eventually eight squares. And it reminds me a bit of a tabletop gaming, playing warhammer 40 K and playing up against a tyrannid player. That's just doing a, a rush. Of, of waves bodies. of bodies. Yeah. And so, and just watching this large unit get whittled down as they're charging your, your position. And so, I love the idea behind this. I would love to see that implemented in something like, uh, I think if they did something like that for swarms, that would be interesting. I think if they did something like that for oozes, that would be interesting.
1: It would be interesting also if you did uh, like large-scale combat. So, if you're doing like mm. army v army kind of combat, it'd be really interesting. But yeah, I didn't, I must have missed that because I... Uh, I love that mechanic as well because troops yeah. in, in first edition are just, they are the exact same as they are until they're not,
0: you know? Well, and one of my bigger disappointments and I won't get into uh edition wars because I survived the edition wars. I was there <laughs> uh, and I don't want to get back into that again. Um, one of the things that I did enjoy with dungeons and dragons, fourth edition was the idea of the bloodied condition that a creature would reach a threshold and then it would actually be impeded because of its injuries, mm-hmm. and I liked that because, uh, as many people know, I am a big fan of uh, you know fantasy literature and things like that, particularly the the literature of uh, uh, Ari Salvatore, uh, most notably the Dritz series. Although Aww, the clerical yeah, Quintet is actually pretty good,
1: Clerical Quintet really
0: good. The one of the key points with the Dritz series is not only is an extraordinarily skilled fighter and can sometimes take down you know waves of enemies and rapid motion, and all the rest of that, but when he gets into a fight against something approaching an equal uh, in theory, for instance, mm-hmm. then it ends up being pages of them fighting until one of them is tired enough to leave you know the smallest gap or opening, and then it's death by a thousand cuts. And so being able to actually do something that would allow you to do a battle of attrition, would be more interesting to me where it's, you know, that it's that classic problem of a um, a creature in Pathfinder or any video game that you play where it's just as dangerous at one hit point as it was at a hundred.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you fight at full strength until you're at zero, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. I, I really like the idea of that. And I know it's be something that would be very difficult to implement like across the board to work into a couple of different creature stat blocks, but I do like the way that it works here. Uh it I feel like it just kind of flows a little bit better. Reminds me a little bit of uh um the idea behind Starship combat combat and having thresholds yeah. where once your ship is damaged enough, you start taking further penalties.
1: Yeah. Which kind of so. can start a death spiral, which maybe that's why they don't do that as much is because it can feel like yeah. you're just conti- like you're started at a disadvantage and you can never recover, you know? Yeah. So maybe that's why they do it that way.
0: Could be. Um, you have know, anything to weigh in on the the troops?
1: Um. I, I like it. I am excited to see if they will do this in, they will do this in more ways um, in, in and yeah. actually utilizing troops because especially like higher level, it's fun to see like, okay, you fought two kobolds and they were kicking your butt at first level and now it's like you're 12th level and here comes a troop of them, you know, or something like that. Like I hope they do some more like troops like that to just make like some of the lower level monsters able to kind of uh, cut it in higher level encounters. I think that'd be really yeah. fun.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, Lewis comes back in and asks for best new dragon. I have my opinion on this.
1: All right. I'll, I'll go for mine. I'm a little bit of a dark heart at, at, at you know, deep down inside of me. I like the underworld dragon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, it looks so cool. I
1: was like, it yeah. oh, looks super cool. It's all like purple has, and blacks and everything. Like
0: there's a very neat design to it.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's my personal favorite.
0: Uh, and again, it's one of those Eastern design, you know, dragons. So it's yeah. just, it's very, Neat, long serpentine. Um, mine is actually probably the house Drake, uh, you know, aka the, the pseudo dragon. Uh, uh, I know it's a little bit cheap because, you know, it's, it's it, is it is I a dragon. It is a dragon. Technically, yeah. <laughs> technically, it's a subtype dragon. Uh, I have long been a fan of these guys oh, uh, yeah, to the sure. point that one in one of the longest games that I ran back when I was in uh, high school, actually. Uh, one of my players, I just gave them a pseudo dragon because, you know, I was in high school and I didn't care as much about game balance. So I was just like, here you go. Take a pseudo dragon. You don't need to prove familiar. That's all wasted feet. Yeah. Um, be perfectly honest. It didn't really unbalance anything, <laughs> but um, I'm particularly a big fan of them since playing um, Curse of the Crimson Throne. Oh, yeah. As they yeah. are very prevalent in the city of Corvosa. And so, um, Yeah. That and I always just like the name House Drake.
1: Yeah. And
0: they're it's like cute. it's it's a Drake, but it you know, it's a house drake. It's a little you know? cat sized
1: dragon. They're super a little cute. Little
0: cat sized dragon. <laughs> um mm-hmm. X Root comes in and says, Is there a creature that particularly stands out to you as being adapted well or even made more interesting with the new system? Hmm. I do have an answer um. on this one also.
1: You know what? I'll let you go first because I did first and last one.
0: The House Strike. The the fact they actually stat out in the House Drake that they sharpen their claws on like silver embroidery and uh work around buildings in Corvosa. And by doing so, they actually get fl- enough flecks of silver onto their claws and teeth that they count as silver for the purpose of overcoming damage reduction. <laughs> Which works in their constant battle against the imps, imps that are released yep. from the academy in, Corv- in Corvosa. And so I loved that amazing blend of mechanics and lore. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you I just didn't see as much in first edition. And so the, the freedom to just go, actually, this thing does need like, how can we give this thing silver, the ability to overcome silver damage reduction? I know. You know, they're they're basically house cats, you know, but instead of sharpening their claws in the drapery, they're sharpening their claws on your candelabras. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which makes them it's exactly just, like cats.
0: Yeah, it's just, I love it. Um, and yeah, so that I feel like that was an interesting way that they, it was a way that they took something and then improved it and adapted it to make it make sense for the the role that the creature plays in the setting. So I just love that. Nice.
1: Yeah, I uh, I like the way they read to golems. I know I've mentioned it previously, but like one of my big things I dislike, both as a GM, as a player, is those creatures that like some, some players just are not going to be able to do anything during this combat. Um, you yeah. know, I've always been a, a, a huge detractor on that kind of encounter. So finding, you know, making golems more accessible to spellcasters, also somebody who personally likes playing spellcasters, mm-hmm. um, I think is really good. In trying to make it, you know, it'll still be a memorable fight. There's still going to be some weirdness and some cool things that it can do and all of that. But it gives you one, it gives you a reason to do a knowledge check on them uh, so that you can remember what it is that they're they're weak to and all of that stuff. Um, And it makes it more dynamic. And then you also get the ability that, you know, it's not just fight to the bottom, everybody hits hard, you know, and just see who gets to the bottom first. It's very much like you can still be tactical. You can still do some, some creative, some creative kind of stuff to make it a lot more interesting. So I like that, that idea of, you know, there isn't the, well, it's incorporeal and, and that means that nobody who has a melee weapon is going to be useful in this fight kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Or as useful, I guess, especially at higher levels.
0: (laughs) Yep. So, uh, Dizzy Dwarf asked us, how many kobolds need to hide in a trench coat before they're considered troops? A which lot. I believe I think more, I believe... Than one, more than
1: a trench coat would hold. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. I don't think like three kobolds in a trench coat will will qualify as a troop.
0: Yeah. So I think the only way that you could pull this off, I believe rules is written, it would need to be at least 16. Wow, that's
1: a lot of To occupy
0: the 16 squares. So if you, at which point they take up a four by four grid. So, if you got a cloud giant trench coat, they could then all Voltron inside of this cloud giant trench coat.
1: <laughs> I think I that know, would be need really this in the early. I adventure yeah. path like 110%. I need just the get them one of those cool
0: Viking helmets, but it has like the face mask and the beard of like oh, metal man. chain I coming a storm off. Giant. But, yeah. And just be like, hey, guys.
1: Oh, man. I Don't love mind that. us. <laughs> I would also love to see a, a you know, a clockwork, um, like mechanical man that's just piloted by a bunch of kobolds with like levers and stuff. Yeah. Be super fun. <laughs> or goblins. I'll take goblins too.
0: <laughs> there's an old dragon adventure, not to go on much of a tangent here, but there's an old dragon uh, adventure, or sorry, dungeon adventure that. Um, I think it was a bunch of hobgoblins inside of a boat that had a like tarp put over the top of it and a little like headmast so that they made it look like it was basically the Loch Ness monster. And they're like <laughs> coming in and terrorizing a town on like foggy nights or something like that. And so they hire adventurers to like deal with this weird monster that's coming out of the sea. And then you find out it's a whole bunch of like hobgoblins on a long ship. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's nice. just what immediately made me think of that I can't That remember also the of that makes adventure. me think
1: of the the hermit crabs in this So they have uh, like yeah. giant hermit crabs And the art of it is It has a boat on the back of its uh, Like in, yeah. on its back instead of a regular shell Because it's huge or it's large sized or whatever And I was like, that's super cute do. It's super cute
0: uh, Ben asks Are there any new amazing elementals? The wisps The wisps, yep. yeah
1: They're so cute I, I am really hoping they make those familiars because I would love yeah. a
0: familiar wisp. They're neat. I love their tie into the lore mm-hmm. uh, because it talks like it talks about how they travel around and they make music through resonance with the spheres. And I've always that. I remember the first time I read about Desna and latching on to like the idea of the spheres of the universe. Like I love the idea of the whole sound of the spheres and that they amplify it. Um, I also really like that all of their abilities are like m- music related. Yep like they have an concert ability when they aid another or their leaders are called conductors and groups of whists are called symphonies.
1: Yep. So yeah. I, I love anything neat. that mentions like music that is being made by other creatures. Cause like, you know, the, it doesn't get mentioned much in the lore that like, yeah, these are fully sentient creatures that can yeah. make their own music and have their own languages and cultures and things like that. So it's always fun when it's, you know, like, the the choirs of angels and things like that that um there's uh i'm totally blanking on it but in first edition there's like one that specifically does like just sonic damage and stuff because yeah. it's, a, it's like, or like it's like things like
0: that yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: um or the you know a free death metal bands
1: <laughs> they would be death metal you'd imagine <laughs> yep no that sounds
0: about right uh, graph writes in and asks, I don't know if this is a real question, but I missed templates from 3.5, like turning things into a vampire or a cyborg or a dragon into a Draco ledge or whatever. They were a horribly broken mechanical mess, but they were amazing flavor, uh, Sith runner. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Sith drummer also, uh, kind of clarifies all of that into a simple question that says, do you miss creature templates from first edition? My answer is, I do wish that there are more. Uh, they do
1: have them, though. They are in second they edition.
0: Do. Yeah. Um, they don't have quite as many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish that there was the simple like Fiendish and Celestial templates like they had before.
1: Yeah, the, like quick add templates. Yeah, that just like I remember they had them in like little chunks that you could just like see in the back of the book that you could just go and add on real quick.
0: Yeah, just like quick tack on a couple abilities and all the rest of that. I would love to see rules. um kind of like the organization templates that just give one or two alternative abilities mm-hmm. that you could throw onto a creature and kind of theme it around that where it's just like, okay, this is a dog, but it lives too close to the abyss. Yeah. So now it's an abyssal dog. Um, yeah, really, Like, I, I would love to see more templates like that. I don't think that there needs to be the whole slew of templates and they do a job of kind of, like, for lack of a better term, Already providing for a lot of things that would have been templates otherwise. Yeah. So things like the, um, I can't remember, they're out of the new Ancestries guide. The, you could basically pay people that have been warped by magic or warped by radiation. Warped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which would have just kind of been a template. That would,
1: yeah, that would have been a template for sure.
0: Uh, Although still having something like that to quickly apply to, a, you know, okay, well, I'm running orcs, but I'm running orcs in the mana wastes, and I want them to be crazy mutated by magic orcs. It would be nice to have a, a quick template that does that.
1: Yeah, Um, or or like a guide on how to make those kinds of templates, because um, they had like the uh what was it like the point system for abilities in first edition that you could basically like use to make your own creature and yeah. get it to the right CR of what you're trying to do. They don't have that in second edition, as far as I know.
0: Yeah, and a lot of that was designed around the idea of uh, doing like ancestries or races in uh, second edition or in first edition to try to come up with like, okay, how, mon- how much how much does it unbalance the system if you can fly at will, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Seth drummer goes on to ask, uh, are there any creatures from first edition in this book that were either notably improved or translated into second edition, particularly well?
1: Hmm. That's, uh, that's tough. Cause I don't GM enough to really know the stat blocks all that well. Um, God, that's if, a good, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know enough about the stat blocks to be perfectly honest to make a that kind of determination.
0: Uh, if I'm going to go with one, I'm probably going to go with the... Uh, God, I can never pronounce this thing. Uh, Penangolin? say That's right. No, that no, no not, not, not the not little the, animal Not thing. the
1: little <laughs> anger thing?
0: <laughs> no, the, the Penangolins are the... Um, usually a woman's head, but it's the woman's head that still has like the spine attached as well as like the lungs and the entrails that they're like vampires that rip themselves off of the body and go flying around and attacking people.
1: They're the ones that kind of look like uh, Urgathoa. Is that the one? Uh,
0: all, all they've got left is their lungs basically. They look a little bit more like that canopic jar th- thing that you fought once except for it's got a lady's head on top of it.
1: Ah, oh, okay, okay.
0: Fancy. Uh, they're terrifying vampire things. And I feel like second edition kind of let them dive into the strangeness of them a little bit more and uh, that they've still got their like entangling ability and their bite and all the rest of that. But they do have a neat uh, ride corpse where they can insert their entrails into a humanoid body, allowing them to appear as and move around like a normal human. Um, the body has 10 hit points. And when the body is destroyed, uh, the penangolin is ejected and unharmed. The body becomes a corpse. Uh, if it was neither controlled by the Penangaline or stored in the alchemical vat, it decays as normal. Which they were able to do in the in first edition, but they're just kind of, not necessarily hand waved it, but it was almost more like, you know, vampires have to sleep in their coffins. Um, they just had to reinsert themselves. And there's a, uh, as a side note, there's a really horrible, I think it was a Bollywood movie. I'm not positive. Um, about this thing that's like the lowest budget B-horror movie that you can ever see. <laughs> like again you, it can be able to go like okay there's the actress and then she's screaming and then suddenly you know here's bad like you can tell where they just cut off the bottom of the thing so that you can see the mannequin head fly up in the air and you can see the <laughs> strings attached to it as it's like waving its way around through. If you oh, get a man. chance to watch it it is it is so bad that it's honestly still just bad but it's still pretty Pretty amusing to watch. Uh, Wait, I'm not sure gonna, we
1: haven't fought one of these because this seems like I think you're right there. You have the fought one, Dark but I, things, you yeah. have fought
0: one, but I don't want to uh, spoil because it's not from yeah. anything, from any of the podcasts. Actually, it uh, yeah. was an okay because
1: I, I I looked at this and I was like, this looks familiar. Okay,
0: yes, you have fought one previously in another adventure path, but it's kind of a, a big deal in that adventure path. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Ben asks, what creature types seem to be represented a lot in this book? fae
1: for, for that's the my answer i was gonna say for, <laughs> for the uh for the amount that you usually see in in a bestiary book clockworks <laughs> there's like four clockworks in here and that's a lot
0: yeah lots of fey. there are tons of fey left right and center yeah um, lots and
1: lots and of fae. undead
0: but pretty much every best area has ah, a yeah, lot of undead
1: yeah we can pretty much assume there's gonna be tons of undead um i will say there's also a surprising number of uh call them exotic animals um, mm. So like the puffer fish is in here. Um, pangolins, uh, speaking of things that I'm mentioning, uh, camels, <laughs> like there's actually a fair number of just like mundane creatures that I thought was pretty cool. Ooh,
0: camels, how exotic.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're not exotic in Osirium, but they'd be exotic yeah. in like, you know, Corvosa.
0: <laughs> and uh, lastly, as far as the discord questions are concerned, Dizzy Dwarf asks, are there any creatures that you wish were substantial higher or lower level version? Uh personally I am uh, as many people know I'm an amateur I guess Lovecraftian scholar really. <laughs> uh and I enjoy many of the things that come from his work particularly the Migo. Uh which are uh, originally mm. from Whisper and Darkness. And uh they do include the Migo in here I would like to have seen a higher level Migo also that kind of delves a little bit more like this one touches a little bit on their weird super science. But like diving into that a little bit more or their strange alchemy that they use uh, would all be pretty fun, especially if they gave them some sort of ability to like make little puppet people that they could then, you know, have conversations through whispering. Um, Sorry, I apologize. Spoiler alert for a hundred year old story. (laughs) (laughs) Although Whisper of Darkness is actually pretty good. Um, So go out and read it. If you really love dogs be warned that there's a lot of dog death rude um, basically, basically this guy's under attack from aliens and his solution is to just throw more dogs at them <laughs> which works surprisingly well apparently Migos should have some sort of like vulnerability to dog bites or something
1: um, on my end I have a hard time with this because um, I'm used to just things being what they are um, I I love Clockwork Dragons. I've never gotten a chance to run them uh, or mm. have them run for me. Uh, they're just too high a CR. Um, so having like a, a diminutive version or something like that to make it more approachable that you might find it before, like, you know, the very last fight in the book, a book, yeah. kind of 6 guy situation, I think would be really nice because they are super cool. They've got like little wings that are made out of tarp and stuff. Like they're super nifty, but you just, you know, it's hard to work that in. Um, without it being just kind of like out of place, like maybe in mummy's mask, it would make sense. But, um, you know, I've, I've always wanted to see it, uh, be a little bit lower challenge rating.
0: Yeah, I can think of a couple of venture paths where they make sense, but I don't know if they're included in there. Probably not. Um, so yeah, that's it for our discord questions. Do we have some questions from the chat that we want to go through?
1: Boy, do we? All right. We've had a lot of Uh stuff. Um,
0: (laughs) already a little bit over an hour. So I think we could probably knock these out real fast. want to make sure that everyone Um, has their voice heard.
1: Yep. All right. Graph uh, says, uh, what monster do you most want to run in parentheses use against players that you haven't yet?
0: That I haven't yet. That immediately springs one to mind. Let me find that.
1: Oh, gracious. Um,
0: All right. So I'm going to throw one out there just because I find this one. Um, interesting they they've added in these uh sick tempura, um as in creatures from the dimension of time uh intense uh, emotions are more than just ethereal things they accumulate over time from things like critical mass of motion caused by historical event or settlement passing down from powerful sentient, sentiment or sentiment for generations uh, including these are the misery sick tempora which are creatures born of intense pain and suffering. Uh, they are armless six-legged misery. Sick are some of the most numerous of their kind, since misery is an ubiquitous experience of living. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, like they yeah. have like, they have this uh, uncanny pounce that um, basically the misery sick tempora rules dimension of time lore for their initiative. So they basically initiative by seeing through time. Which is just really fun. They can inflict misery, which is just kind of neat. Um, they've got a whole bunch, and their inflict miseries. Um, the misery, Saint Teporis' like action was a claw strike that damaged the target, and the uh, creature must then attempt a will save. And regardless of the outcome, the target is immune to the effect of misery for one minute, um, and it causes failure, causes clumsy, two, enfeebled, two, and stupefied, two. Good gravy. So they're just a lot of fun. And also, let me throw this up here for everyone. Uh, I guess warning if you have uh, body horror concerns. Um, they're very terrifying. Oh my gosh. looking. Look at that monstrosity. Good
1: gracious. That <laughs> so is too many hand arm, hand
0: legs. <laughs> I will say that, that that is one of those creatures that the artwork sold it for me. Uh, when yeah. I saw that artwork, when I was flipping through the book, I was like, what are you? And how do I kill somebody with you? <laughs> um,
1: to okay, I'm gonna pick a I'm gonna pick kind of a weird one. Um, I think this is new because I haven't seen it before, but I'm probably wrong. Uh, is the corrupted relic. Hmm. Uh, so it is an item, so it's actually like an amulet. but uh, it is it holds these an angry malevolent spirit. So basically you can you pick this up and then a spirit forms and attacks you. And I love those kinds of things that change how you see the game. And I feel like that's one of those things, like when that happens, you're going to be paranoid about every single item you pick (laughs) up afterwards. I also love the fact that it, uh, when it detects a creature and uses a uh, reaction to do a sudden manifestation it actually gets a plus 4 bonus on its initiative check cuz it's like surprise <laughs> so <laughs> i love it it's basically I love the that. jump scare
0: item yeah yes it's the jump scare <laughs> item
1: i love that like i think that's super fun and like i said you'll be paranoid about every single item yeah. afterwards
0: <laughs> no nothing upsets players more than attacking their treasure
1: it's true it's true <laughs> Uh, okay, so, so next. <laughs> uh, Baron Altorin asks, I wonder if the Gwekubu have the apparent Pathfinder 1E ability to jump to another campaign. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, an us special. I'm yeah, pretty sure that's an us special. We'll see what happens in Hell's Rebels. <laughs> yes. If I can find
1: a way. <laughs> uh, Baron also asks, if you get stuck in the Ouroboros ring, do you have to start singing the Smashing Pumpkins 1979? Yes. I'm going to say, I don't know what that song is. So I'm going to go look that it's, up after this.
0: It's written into the subtext.
1: Ah, cool. <laughs> Nifty. Uh, okay. So Rev Khan, a.k.a. TJ, uh, says you can summon... Uh, two fairies with the new summon phase spell. So you can get them to fight on your side for once. That's interesting.
0: From from a game master perspective, neat. From a player's perspective,
1: very dangerous. I'm waiting, I was going to say, I'm <laughs> waiting for their sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yes, you know? curse. Curse you. Yes. Uh, Renwald 99 comments, I felt like this bestiary was the best of FTP monsters. I kind of feel the same way. That's some really memorable monsters from from our uh, our broadcast yeah. adventures and non broadcast. I might add.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if the Bone Golem made it into another bestiary or if that one was. I don't remember seeing that uh, one here. No, it's a fossil Golem
1: in this one, and I I don't think they have yeah. another Golem that's like the Bone Golem. Maybe that's another one of the ones. Because I will
0: say, as far as uh, memorable fights and everything, the thing that can throw its bo- its rib cage as a
1: as a trap, in like, prison is amazing.
0: You. I love that thing. That, that thing was, a really was so great. Fight, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there there were, there were a lot of throwbacks in here that I was like, God, it's like a trip down memory lane as I'm looking through this book.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I definitely like
1: looked at some stuff and I won't spoil what adventure came from. And I was like, I remember when my party almost had to fight that. And then we had a druid in the party. Yep, <laughs> It was very charismatic for uh, whatever the heck this thing was, you know. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um uh, Baron Altorn, and ask another question. Was there any monster ability you saw that made you say, really, that's just silly.
0: Not that immediately jumped out at me in this one. I'm sure I yeah. probably missed one, like nothing like the skeleton throwing his head off at people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't see anything that I was like, oh yeah, no, that's just a, that's just for a gag, you know, like, I don't know if it'd be seriously used or anything like that. Um, Yeah, all right. We're going to move on because I can't think of anything either.
0: Yeah, I apologize. Unfortunately, like nothing that immediately jumped out at me. Um, Oh, wait, there was a it's not necessarily silly. Um, The Kappa, which is actually stated out in here. It's it's not in that I went, Okay, what that's silly. It was more one of those. I went, this must be some part of a myth that I'm not familiar with where they have a head bowl. Which is a depression on top of its head, which is filled with water, uh, spilling, evaporating, or otherwise removing all the water from the top of the kappa's head. It reduces all of their speed to five feet until the basin is again refilled. A kappa who becomes prone must succeed at a DC fifteen reflex save or spill the water. And a kappa who becomes unconscious automatically spills their water.
1: Why did that? Why did that suddenly make me think of Charmander's tail in the Pokemon anime?
0: Also, these guys are or it's uh, sad. They're very cute. Yeah, they yeah. are super cute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> little turtle little I, turtle creatures.
0: I was trying to remember where that was because I was like, I remember there's a ridiculous turtle in here. But again, I think it's probably just a part of its mythology that I'm not familiar with.
1: It's probably some like it has to like always be touching water or something like that. Um, yeah, or something. I don't know. I, I, I associate Kappa with like the water, um, just from Harry Potter, so I don't yeah. really know their mythology all that well. something uh, to read. Let's see. Um extra asked if the sun laser zombies get into pf2 i don't know i don't think i don't believe so not yet yep, not yet which means they could again
0: lost omens golden roads bestiary
1: yep exactly uh, laser zombies see.
0: laser zombies laser statues laser everything
1: uh let's see baron uh asked another question he's asking all the questions uh sheer curiosity what do you think of the battle cards that have been released for the first two bestiaries i'll be honest with you we don't play in person so we haven't had a chance to really use them if we were playing in person i would love them to be able to just pull those out yeah i mean super useful super helpful for especially if you're running a lot of different stuff to be able to have like those tiny little stat blocks and everything
0: i think there's something that i'm very glad exists I think once people are able to get together and do large conventions and things like that, again, for anyone that is doing something related to Pathfinder Society, that those will be a phenomenal resource because it saves breaking your back, lugging around however many best areas Mm -hmm. you need to.
1: Yeah, no, for sure.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think Uh, I actually own a set, but I've never used them. I mean, we've got the
1: PDF version of them, so that's how I know what they look like. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> bought them yet either. Um, don't ask how we have the PDF site uh, versions. Um, all right. Speed runs I, I'm kills. I'm pretty sure
0: Paizo gave them to. <laughs> 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 you you made it sound like you got it off the black market. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> no, I didn't get
1: off the black market. Paizo gives us review copies of stuff And Don't ask form, how so. many people <laughs> had
0: to die to get this PDF. I
1: smuggled them out of Paizo's warehouse myself. Um in a you know Italian job style. Um yep. all right. Last question comes from Speedruns Kill, uh who says, speaking of Lovecraftian horror, what are your favorite Ooh. Lovecraftian monsters in Pathfinder?
0: Ooh. Um Linguals are awesome. I'm always a big fan of them. Night Gaunts, just because a tickle demon is something say that Gaunts, you wouldn't I was going say are my favorite
1: because they're so ridiculous with the tickling you.
0: <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite of uh, uh, HPL's short stories is the Color Out of Space. And so the titular mm. Color Out of Space, which they started out for first edition, is great. Uh, probably the number one. Uh, would be the Hounds of Tyndalos. And like mind the Hounds, you, they're yeah. Lovecraft adjacent. I believe yeah. they're actually a Frank Beltneck Long creation. Um, I'd have to look that up. I'm not positive off the top of my head. Either that or they might have come. That might have been something that he borrowed from Chambers alongside uh, the King in Yellow and all the rest of that. But I'm not positive off the top of my head. Uh, but no, the Hounds of Tendalos, like I love the idea of anything that just it moves through literally another dimension that we perceive as angles. Uh, that just it sinks to me because it is so weird and out there that you can't even think about how it's accomplishing it. And yeah. that's kind of the epitome of weird fiction. So- yeah, And
1: it does a really good job, especially in first edition uh, with the Hounds of Tendalos of making their weirdness like make sense from a mechanic standpoint. Yeah. Uh, which I think is really interesting um, for the yeah. hounds. But now I'm going to go with the night gaunts because uh, anything, <laughs> like, I, I can They're remember. Monsters. I, will, I, will not, I will not specify when, but we had uh, somebody get grabbed by a night gaunt, flown up to the top of a tower and tickled <laughs> for, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how long it was. Uh, and just remember the ridiculousness of getting them down from this tower. Because, of course, you know, yeah. there wasn't like a, a a ladder spiraling up or anything like that. And just remembering like the ridiculousness of just, uh, it's a thing that just tickles you and scares you. Like that's its entire vibe. Yeah. I think it's fun. Uh,
0: and of course, the Shugoths and the uh, um, the Dark Young of uh, Shubnagorath are both, you know, classics. So. Yeah, I mean, those would be my top one, but honestly, I'd probably give it to the Hounds of Tindalos, even though it's not technically a Lovecraft creation, but they, it is a Lovecraftian monster. It is part of the greater mythos. So it counts. And so uh, so it counts, and they're just such a fun creature.
1: Uh, <laughs> and I think one of
0: the first ones introduced into the Pathfinder setting, because I wanted to say that was maybe book three or four. Actually, I think it was book four of Rise of the Rune Lords. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think that's all of our questions.
0: All right. Well, we, we had a into. lot of really good interaction with everybody today, and yeah, uh, we thank had some you great so questions, much. There for who Discord.
1: questions for us. So, would uh, have been a really short Jordan? review, otherwise. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, overall, Jordan, what do you think?
1: Uh, I, I think I said it midway through this. Absolutely buy this book. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's got so many interesting things, especially if you homebrew. There is a ton of interesting stuff in here that would really spice up your games. Um, some new stuff, some old stuff, um, just a lot to be excited about in here, including, like I said, if you are looking for a couple of familiars, they got a couple of familiar options in here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely a great book. If it's going to be the last uh, of the you know core best theories and then they're going to start branching out on anything, I think that they've established a strong enough foundation that they could then kind of branch out into specific things that if they wanted to do something like, individual sections of the world if they were doing part of the lost omens lines or if they wanted to do something like the um Giant book of book aberration. Of yeah well if they want to do like the book of aberrations the book of giants the book of whatever they could also go that route um yeah they could go the the 3.5 direction of uh doing a fiend folio fiend
1: folio yeah uh, although the yeah. fiend
0: folio surprisingly had a lot of things that weren't fiends
1: yeah, somebody in the <laughs> chat said that they could do it as like a almost like a gazetteer thing, where it has like the locations, it has like notable NPCs and towns and mm-hmm. monsters. So you could do some pretty interesting stuff if you wanted to just roll it up into a into an everybody should buy this kind of a of a uh, setup.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting if they combined that in a little bit of the same way that they had the uh, codexes in first Mm, edition where the npc codexes but also including things like okay here's going to be the big book of aberrations and here's a big codex thing on a whole bunch of you know crazy old ones cults and um you know creatures that are directly influenced especially if you're doing something like the Agolthu, you could then tie into things like the flesh warped as well as Various types of uh, NPC stat blocks for things like Gilman, who I think are still called Gilman.
1: Uh, No, they're called something else now. Yeah, well. They they say they're commonly called this, but apparently (laughs) they have a name now um, that I've completely forgotten because I'm a bad person.
0: Oh, well, I haven't had to run them in anything. I'm running a desert campaign. I'm also running a forest campaign and I'm running a city campaign. Maybe eventually, you know, that one's at least a coastal city. We might see something happen in the second edition. Yeah. So possible. we we'll possible. find out. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to guess that's going to be it for us this evening. Uh, I also approved of this book. I very much liked it. I suggest people go and pick it up. I enjoyed it. Um, if you're not going to pick it up, I would suggest that you play in some Pathfinder society stuff and then uh, let somebody try to kill you with some of these monsters. It'd be a fun way of going about it too.
1: Yep. Remember to recall knowledge. So, you know, what's yeah, killing re- you.
0: Recall knowledge as often as possible.
1: Knowledge is half the, or knowing is half the battle.
0: Yep. Get that whole, uh, I can't remember the name of the feet off the top of my head, but where you, uh, if you fail, you get one piece of true knowledge and one piece of fake knowledge and then roll with that. Yep. Cause that always makes me happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I just thought of something. There isn't anything in here that's like the, you know, the, the, what if you crit fail? Like that could, they could add in, uh, into some of those regional things too. If they had the spaces, like some yeah. of the false information you get, if you crit fail, the, the knowledge checks.
0: Yeah, again, that's one of my favorite things about writing up the uh, recall knowledge results for Hell's Rebels is uh, writing up the critical failure results. So I can just be like, it's like you deep, you know, I make it this recall knowledge check. It's like I'm pretty sure that Laria runs this Long Roads Coffee House somewhere in the northern portion of the city. It's like I critical failed. I'm pretty sure she runs a coffee house out of the you know northern portion of the city and also an underground fight club. it's like <laughs> Yes. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs>
1: I, I would have been down if she did run a fight club. I'd have been like, okay, this lady is <laughs> tough as nails, you know?
0: <laughs> the first rule of Long Roads Coffee House is you don't talk about Long Roads Coffee House unless it's about the coffee and donuts.
1: It's all about Club LCH.
0: Yep. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us this evening. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you for all the excellent question to everyone on our discord, as well as our chat here. You can join us again. I believe that we're planning on doing another review here soon. So uh, I would check all of our social media stuff for the details on that, uh, as well as our discord, which if you're not part of our discord, you can be just by going to find path.com and clicking on a little discord link. And say hi to everyone when you get there, because they're a bunch of great people.
1: And play some society games. We have a very active society community, and maybe some of these creatures show up in society. Yeah, w- maybe some I, of these
0: creatures will try to kill you.
1: That probably be in the future, but I don't know anything <laughs> about that. But uh, for all I know, our our upcoming special, uh, which is going to be a Jess Jenkins original uh, for our one-year anniversary of the Discord, um, I do know that she has some stuff from this book in there. Not spoiling anything. I just know that she's Exciting. mentioned that she has stuff. So upcoming shenanigans
0: there you go all right well until next time good luck pathfinders
1: bye pathfolk